Hi, I'm Chambers. And I'm Valentine. And welcome to Valentine and Chambers Investigate, episode three. Woohoo! <laughs> That's right. Right, media updates. Check this out. We have 55 listens to our first two episodes. 55. What do you think about that? That's incredible. 50, who would have thought that when we started this ridiculous project that 55 pairs of ears would home in on it? Unbelievable. I mean, that's 110 ears probably in total. I think. Amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, unless there's some uh, deformed people out there with three or four ears. Yeah. Let's keep on track. So on top of that, we also now have the heady heights of 15 Instagram followers. 15. That's um, that's slightly underwhelming, I have to be honest. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's better than 40. Though. Yeah, and I, and I can't say too much, seeing as I've put absolutely zero effort into trying to garner any more. I mean, you're not, you're, you're not even on Instagram. You're not even one of them. <laughs> I mean, one one of the fifteen is my dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, if I had a pet, um, it would be following us. Yeah. You, you let, can count. You can count on that. Yeah, let's not go down the dog route again, though. We covered that last week. Let's not. Let's not. You know, troll that up again. Eh? No, or maybe we just turn it into a dog podcast. I don't know, but you'd you'd have a lot more to say than I would. So, dogcast. Dog. Ooh. Yeah, that probably exists already. No. Probably, it probably does, yeah. I mean, people listen to this, so there's probably, yeah. Uh, right, listen, let's get on with the first um, mystery, or my mystery, because we've slightly changed the format uh, moving forward. We're, we're now doing one mystery, and then we're doing a bonus feature of something different. I don't know what your bonus feature is, and you won't know what my bonus feature is next week, but mm-hmm. um, it's not going to be a mystery, possibly. It's going to be something which is a little bit more off the wall and off track, right? Yes, Yes. Okay. Right. So anyway, onto this. Um, I'll get started. Sit back and enjoy. This is an absolute doozy. So this is the story of the FBI case file named Norjack. Any ideas at the moment? No. Absolutely nothing. No. Well, the full name is the Northwest Hijacking on November the twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one, and it is one of the world's great unsolved mysteries. And you probably do know it, Valentine. But you probably know it by the name of the perpetrator, D.B. Cooper. Is this ringing any bells now? Uh, oh, still well, not. I'll, I'll no, carry on. Sorry. I, mean, I was hoping he would do, but still. Um, so there was a man named D.B. Uh, called Dan Cooper, actually, was his name. And the D.B. part came from a press misunderstanding, which was then repeated and repeated and became fact. And on November the 24th, 1971, he bought a one-way ticket in Portland, Oregon, to Seattle, Washington. And whilst he was waiting for his flight, he ordered a bourbon and soda. And good call on the bourbon, not so much on the soda. And in flight, he gave a note to the stewardess, who pocketed it, thinking it was a chat-up note. I mean, good confidence, I do like that. Um, undeterred, he whispered to her, Miss, I think you should read that note. I have a bomb. So it turned out that he showed her his, his uh, briefcase and there was some wires and what looked to be four red cylinders. You, you know, your, your dynamite from the old-fashioned car things. 
What a, what a chat-up line. Incredible Yeah, chat-up I mean, line. it was quite an extreme chat-up line. Um, I just like the fact that she assumed that that's what it was. I mean, I hope, I mean I'm mean, i not saying you should assume that it was something as sinister as uh, air hijacking. Um, but these were really common in those days. So air hijackings or um, air jackings in the, the 60s and 70s were, were quite common practice. There wasn't the security measures nowadays, uh, obviously. And there was, in one year, uh, 1972, I think there was... Um, 31 of them in the United States alone. So this wasn't an uncommon event. Um, anyway, so his demands were that he wanted four parachutes, very clever, and $200,000, which in today's money is $1.2 million if you bring the conversion forward. And was the, was the flight already in the air when he, when he made these demands? The flight was in the air, yeah. So obviously the... the the threat was I'm going to blow up the plane if I don't get my demands met. So, but but sure, but surely there's no. They, they don't hold um, parachutes on just standard flights. Do no, they? no, no. How did he expect to get the four parachutes? On so that? what he was asking was he wanted his demands passed to the captain, who would then radio the demands to the next airport, and the things would be waiting for him there, where he would give further instructions, which is what happened. The note okay. was passed to the captain. The demands were passed on to the authorities, the FBI, and they landed in Seattle. And after a, quite a long delay, and the reason for the delay was the FBI was microfilming all of the money that they gave, uh, that they were giving to him. And they did give him the money. This was the practice at the time, apparently. Um, eventually, the money and the parachutes were handed over, at which point D.B. Cooper, we'll call him D.B. Cooper, even though his name's Dan Cooper, he allowed the majority of the crew to leave the plane and all of the passengers and he said he wanted to then go to Mexico City and off they went. Um, he was described at the time as quiet, nondescript, polite, but he didn't want to talk or negotiate with the FBI. He just put his demands down and said that's it, that's what he wanted to do. Um, so the flight, off they went and he seemed to know facts about the flight area. He was making comments about when they were flying over certain areas and all that's Tacoma which I'm not sure where that is but somewhere in the um, north where are we never eat shredded wheat just doing north south east west northwest of America and he knew about air force bases that were in that area and he was given some military parachutes and two civilian parachutes and he chose the civilian parachutes the captain was instructed to fly at 100 knots, which I think is 113 miles per hour, and that is the minimum airspeed without stalling of a 727 plane, which is what he was on. And he also asked that it went to the maximum height for this speed of 3,000 meters. So he knew quite a lot of these facts about the plane. You're, also, really go, you're really going into uh, detail this week, James. Th- it's it's kind of relevant, I think, later on when we get to the theories part. Um, so, yeah, he asked for the landing gear to be down. He asked information about the wing flaps, which I think is the bits in the wings which make the plane go up and down. That's my knowledge of how, how commercial jet planes work. And he asked for the cabin to be unpressurized. He agreed on a refueling stop in Reno, Nevada. And, yeah, on the way they went. Now, there were other planes following the 727, but the visibility was terrible due to a really bad thunderstorm. And by this point, it was 7, 8 p.m. in November. Obviously, it was dark outside. And at around this time, around 8 p.m., the 
captain noticed changing weight, so a bump in the plane, and they decided that that was the point at which he's jumped out the back of the plane. They later found he'd worked out, done himself manually, lowered the rear ramp of the plane where they would put the cargo into the, the hold. So in the investigation, they found loads of fingerprints in the plane. They found some DNA from a tie clip that was left on the plane. Now, some of this wasn't found until a long time later. It was in the 90s, I think, the DNA was found in this tie clip, along with loads of other things, um, traces of different metals, uh, microscopic pieces of pollen from plants, nothing that was helpful. And there was loads of other hijackers at the time, several of the hijackers at the time, who had similar MOs. What does MO stand for? Modus operandi. Yes, it does. Well done. Bonus point for Valentine. And over the years, over a thousand witnesses and suspects were interviewed. Uh, various tip-offs were put in. People were hoping for reward money. And eventually, 45 years after the event in 2016, the FBI finally closed the case. So it was going on for all this time. None of the money almost none of the money has ever turned up now obviously because the fbi microfilmed it and because they um had this record of what it was it should have been flagged or it would have been flagged however in 1980 five thousand eight hundred dollars were found on a bank of the columbia river by a young boy and it was three bundles of notes three separate rolls of bills i'm gonna say bills to make it sound like I'm, I'm being more American within my description. So it's three separate bundles of bills that they found. Now, important part, two of the bills were 20 times $100 bills, or maybe 100 times 20. It was 100 times $20 bills. And that was 2,000 bills in the first roll. That was an intact roll from when it was given back in 1971 to D.B. Cooper. The second bundle was another $2,000 roll. The third, however, was $1,800, and 20 of the bills were missing, but the rubber bands were on the notes. So for the rubber bands to be on the notes still, on this big roll of, of wad of cash, they've, the, the rubber band's been taken off. The notes been removed, the rubber band's been put on. Now, the rolls were rotted in a rounded manner. They weren't buried. So you would think that this might mean they'd been in a river, you know, rolling around. But that would not explain why there was three separate bundles all in the same place on this riverbank. The rubber bands were not um, deteriorated. They weren't sort of rotted. They were the original rubber bands. And it was indicated from different uh, geological evidence that they were there they arrived there a long time after 1971 but why how so this has been popularized the whole db cooper mystery about what happened to him after he jumped out of the plane with the two hundred thousand dollars in films music tv it was a character db cooper was a character in prison break great show by the way if you haven't seen prison break you seen prison break i have seen prison bake yeah i watched it prison bake prison bake yeah that's that's even better what happens on prison bake it's just like the British Bake Off, but in America, and done with ex-cons. Ex-cons? Oh, well, Prison Bake makes me think it's actually in the prison. No, they don't let them bake. 
I mean, let's not go back to last week, but you know, we don't want to talk about whether you believe in prisons or not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to this. Back to my in inverted commas script. It's also been in the film Without a Paddle, which is a really good bad film. Uh, TV show called Thirty Rock, and apparently, I've not seen this, but it was even mentioned in Drunk History, I, which I think is just people getting drunk discussing history. Oh, that's not, that sounds quite that, that sounds, sounds good, sounds right? Doesn't it? Maybe, yeah, it does. maybe we can turn our podcast into that. That sounds way better. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I have got a beer tonight. So have you? We're, we're getting it. And hey, important media update: I've also got a headset. Oh, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we knew would take the podcast to the next level. Yep. You do sound particularly yep. clear tonight. That's good. Thanks. I mean, it was so good, I, I, I might have even worn it to the shop last night when it arrived. I bet you did. Did you pretend like you were on an important call? <laughs> With my full call centre headset. <laughs> picking up a curly it's not picking it. up a curly whirly and a packet of quavers in your headset. Yeah, it's not even Bluetooth. It's a plug into the phone job. It's an old-fashioned manual. Um, so, yeah, going back to D.B. Cooper, he has essentially achieved folk hero Robin Hood-esque status. And this did lead to changes in bag searches before flights, which didn't happen at the time. How nuts is that? And two years after the event, all flights, uh, bag, bag checks happened before. Right, theories. Possibly... This was an ex-military person. Possibly it was someone who was an expert in demolition. I'm not going to go into individual suspects because, as I mentioned before, there's thousands. The military angle doesn't really fit, though, because why would D.B. Cooper use the, the civilian parachutes, not the military parachutes? And also, one of the parachutes that he took, or the one that we think he did jump with, actually had a reserve chute, which I guess is the second parachute to get into trouble. That was a training parachute, and the reserve chute was sewn shut. So he only had his primary parachute, you know, one shot, that's it. So the military anglers were quite unlikely. Another theory is that this guy was a complete chancer who just wanted to get away with it, commit the perfect crime, see if he could do it. And he wasn't a career hijacker. He wasn't a, an ex-military. He was just somebody who wanted the thrill of doing this. Another possible theory is that this was someone who was at their wits' end and willing to take desperate measures in order to get some money. Another theory is that... Have you, have you heard of a film called The Room? No. No. I, I, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Um, the director of this film is a guy called Tommy Wizzo. I'm not sure if I've said that right. And The Room is... Again, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's uh, old-fashioned, the 80s, cheesy film, um, kind of with cult status. And the director, this Tommy Wiseau guy, there's no record of him before the 80s or possibly the late 70s. And all of a sudden, he just appears with an absolute load of cash and then starts on this career of being a director. Very mysterious guy, just and D.B. Cooper disappeared at this point in time with a load of money. So there's a conspiracy theory that's him. Probably unlikely. There has been no physical evidence ever found of D.B. Cooper apart from the money that turned up in 1980 and a really old corroded parachute strap 
and some uh, description cards of how to lower the rear door of the plane. So some uh, information placards. That's it. Theories are that he jumped out the plane in the middle of the night in a 200 mile per hour wind and he was wearing a suit and loafers and he died from exposure. It was a thunderstorm. He would have had a really hard landing. There was an enormous search and a huge search area. However, the search area has changed over the years and it's been in debate about where he actually would have been landing. So there's a theory that the body is there somewhere and just because it's such a huge area, they've just not been looking in the right place. And of course, there's a final theory that he did get away with it, did jump out of the plane successfully, he did land and survive and get out of what would essentially be the wilderness with the money and somehow spend some of the money, but without it being flagged to the FBI and he's lived a long, possibly happy life. By now, he would be in his late 80s he was he was estimated to be around late 30s 40s early 40s at the time of the the hijacking and that's the mystery of db cooper so what do you think wow what do you what do you think happened what would you what would you what would you like to have happened very thoughts well well first of all very nice story um it's it's great to hear these stories of all the heists and things when you could actually get away with them Nowadays, you just go to the petrol station and try and pick up a a stick of gum and they'd just get you straight away, wouldn't they? On this, the old CCTV, or as soon as you use your MasterCard, be game over. Whereas back then, you could just maraud around, go wherever you wanted, and no one would say a thing. Um, A couple of questions. What is microfilming? Is it like... A posh word for laminated. No, I believe it's an old-fashioned word for photocopying or photographing. So these weren't official they were... notes. You couldn't spend them. No, they were they were official notes, but because the FBI had a delay in they they, they delayed DB Cooper in where was he? Seattle, Washington. They got the money from a bank and it was the you know like the serial numbers it was the serial numbers from l i think the first letter was l number 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 all the way through to l number 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 number. and then there'll have been flags put on these bills if they were ever officially processed in a bank so that if this you know serial number was scanned and went through oh there it is i mean those rewards went out for years the, the lad here's an interesting part i didn't mention the boy who found the money in 1980 there was quite a long protracted court case about who should have this money because it was it was hijacking money it was essentially domestic terrorism and eventually after a long protracted court case it was decided that the money that was found would be split between the boy who found the money the airline who essentially were putting the cash up for db for hijacking and a small fee towards i think it was a charity i might be wrong about that but this lad got a chunk of the money. He had a, a stack of the money. And in, I've not got the year written down, in the 2000s, he sold 15 of his notes. So 15 of these $20 bills, by which point the photos of them, they're really eroded at the size. They're very dog-eared. But they are the legitimate D.B. Cooper 
ransom notes. He sold 15 of them for around $20,000. Wow, that's some going, isn't it? Fantastic. Maybe D.B. Cooper was so smart that he, the kid, helped him when he landed and he was injured. And the kid, you know, put his arm over his shoulder and, like, hoiked him off to his father's barn and, like, looked after him, you know, put him up for the night against a pile of hay and fed him some porridge in the morning. And D.B. Cooper just left him the money and said, if you just leave that down by the riverside and then uncover it in a few years' time, they'll let you have some of that. That is amazing. It's possible. That's a great my... idea. Maybe. Sorry, go on. Maybe, maybe, sorry, maybe D.B. Cooper even knew that he was going to become this folk hero for the next 45 years. Maybe he was that confident. Maybe he said to the lad, do what you've said, put the numbers by the, the riverside, go back to them in several years, and then you can sell them at auction because they will be the D.B. Cooper notes. So not just the value of the notes he was giving him, he was giving him the future earning potential of the ransom notes from his mythical folk hero status. Maybe that's mm, it. Absolutely. I, I do feel like there's possibly some military involvement here. It's, it's not just like any man who can just have the confidence to strap on a parachute that he's never used before and then just step out the door of a plane as it's like careering through the air at 200 miles an hour or whatever speed it was doing and and it seems yeah. very calm you know to not even be drawn into having a conversation with the fbi or anything sounds very much like he knew what he was doing what i would also like to know is what did the air hostess do next good because, question you know, I, sus I suspect they probably landed in uh reno nevada looked in the back of the plane and yeah, they found he wasn't there. Now, she didn't get to keep the note. I do know that. The note, between the point at which it was handed over to her, somehow D.B. Cooper had that note. He took that back and jumped out of the plane with it. So she didn't even get to keep the note. Interesting. That would have been worth a lot of money, wouldn't it? That would have been worth an absolute fortune. Yeah, I, I would have paid like a fiver for it or something. Um, I, mean, I think... You might not have got it. For I think it's quite standard in a lot of these heist movies isn't it where the protagonist has a love interest and then organizes for her to meet him somewhere on like a secret island or a, you know abroad somewhere it seems entirely possible to me that the, you know she she just kept doing her job for a year or so and he said look you just leave it 12 months give them an excuse to fire you and then you can just come and join me on in my island paradise and we'll live happily ever after. Do you not think that's possible? That's a very, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a very nice romantic version of how things could have played out. I mean, he, he could have made it, landed, been nursed back to health, etc., etc., used some of his money to go abroad and then use his money abroad where possibly it never even made it back to the United States. Hence, it's never been tracked. And he is, in fact, living on an island paradise somewhere, possibly with the uh, stewardess as well. 
That's fantastic. I, th I think we go with that story. It Not only is it plausible, it's also just a very nice story. Uplifting. I think we need to go with case closed. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So, I mean, to be honest, considering it's been going on 45, uh, 49 years now, I actually think it's remarkably impressive that we've managed to We've managed to uh, solve the entire case in, let me just check the timing of this episode, of 24 and a half minutes. It's impressive to wrap, wrap up I mean, something the, like that in under 25 minutes, let's be honest. Yeah, it is. I mean, the legend grows. The legend grows. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've got it. <laughs> case closed. I've got a super special surprise. We have a special guest joining oh, us. Oh, go on. Who is it? So, if you recall back to last week, not all zero listeners, all several listeners, we actually we actually sent off our roving reporter, Sai, in Russia. We sent him off to the Dyatlov Pass, and I believe that Sai is live with us now. Sai, Hello, are you there? Can you hear me? Oh my god, the signal is so good considering you're up a mountain. Are you there? Are you here. in Jatlov? Can, can you hear me properly? Yeah? Y yes, yes, we can hear you fine. Valentine, can you hear Sai? Loud and clear. I, I imagine, Sai, that you're surrounded by wolves and snow-capped mountains. I am, I am indeed. Can you hear the uh, the sound of the winds in the background? Oh, I can, yeah. Can you hear that? Oh, well, I mean, luckily I've found a nice comfortable cabin to do the podcast from. But, um... A cabin. A cabin. Good. Um, <laughs> There's lots of them there. Not many. I'm very fortunate, actually, to, uh, to stumble across such a find. But um, actually, I'm going to have to stop, shatter the illusion there. Unfortunately, the, uh, the copyright-free wind sound is going to run out of time. <laughs> oh, so I was right into that. I was completely buying that. <laughs> I am sorry. Now, I think Noel Chambers had uh, maybe an inkling that I wasn't yeah. actually able to get there. But, Valentine, I think this might be a bit of a surprise for you. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry. I, I do apologise, but I've not actually made, made it out there. Unfortunately, the reason being, I got I had COVID a couple of weeks ago, um, so I'm in quarantine. I'm self quarantining. I'm not able to go anywhere. Can't even go to the local shop, let alone Diatlov Pass. So, <laughs> oh. Oh. oh well, I mean, sure, sure, surely the Diatlov Pass would have been the ideal place <laughs> well, to do well, isolation. Just get in there, though, isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, in c considering this is the first ever roving reporter, and basically the most roving you've done is to the copyright wind yeah. No, no, no. Actually, I did do a bit of roving on uh, on Google Ski. Okay, what did Google Ski say? Because that was well, our other idea last week. What did Google Ski uh, say? You know, second best by quite some margin, but I did have a, a look. I was listening to your podcast last week. I thought, that's an interesting story that I've never heard of. So um, I, thought, I thought I'd look into it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I used my kind of, my in-depth knowledge of the Russian language and culture. Um, yeah. And also liberal use of the Google 
translate button on my browser. Um, but yeah, no, I found out a little, some quite interesting stuff actually. So, do you want me to share it with you? Right, okay. I'd love you to. I'd love you to tell me what Google <laughs> told you. I mean, bear in mind that we did actually yeah. solve the mystery last week, and in future, for future generations, when yeah. they go on Wikipedia, they'll go through the Wikipedia page, and at the bottom there'll be a specific little link to click, which goes to the Anchor.fm Valentine Chambers yeah. Investigate podcast, and they'll be able to actually get it solved yeah. there. Well, but I please do, please share. I don't share. know what you've been talking about today, but I don't want to go over it, you know too much again but just a couple of key points that i found that i thought might be quite interesting like um so that you know there's been some actual recent reports in the news i was quite surprised to see um dated the 7th of october and, and one on the 20th okay so the family of the um of the deceased are actually you know they're wanting to open up the investigation again basically um uh, and I, they, they released this statement in a, in a Russian uh, newspaper. Uh, can I just read that out for you? Okay. So, That'd be wonderful, yes. Please. In Russian. In Russian, um, <laughs> Russian first. Your Russian's pretty... How long have you been in uh, Russia, Sai? How many years? Well, probably about five years, nearly to the actually. Yeah. Five years. And are, are you, would you describe your Russian as after five years as conversational, fluent? Where where would you uh, where would you put a, yourself? A scale um, from zero to fluent, zero to fluent at ten. Where, well, where would you, you, know, where would I, you can, lay? I can confidently go to the bar and ask for some beers. Um, <laughs> wow, you're you're truly embedded <laughs> over there, aren't you? Please and thank you, etc. And you know that kind of stuff, but. In my defense, my yep. wife, she speaks Russian. Um, she's not Russian, by the way, but she speaks fluent Russian. She, she, she has, has bothered to learn here, the language. like 10 years, maybe. Like, so got a bit of a time advantage on me, but... Um, she's half, half, twice as good well, as you, no, I'd basically. say probably, probably 10 times better than me. At least. So the, <laughs> so the next time we need a roving reporter... Yeah. Um, you just pass the phone on to her and we'll have a word exactly, with her. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll make sure she's within um, earshot uh, and we'll get her on. Yeah. Um, yeah, my... yeah, that'd be great. So let's, let's, have, right, let's so have the statement. Says, let's have the statement. Um, so they basically said this. According to our version, uh, a potent toxic substance was released into the atmosphere. Further stay in the tent became mortally dangerous and unbearable. Brackets, smell, suffocation cough etc the group left the tent with lightning speed however during this time all nine people managed to inhale a lethal dose of the poisonous substance uh so basically they were doomed to die from the poisoning is their their point of view um and you know whether it was summer they would have died from it but unfortunately due to the winter um temperatures they also perished from that as well so Wow, where where's the, what's the source of this well, toxic? I thought this was gas. sounded remarkably similar to something actually that I've experienced, which was uh, remember when steady, we size steady. This this is a family podcast. No, but I mean, you remember when we went to V ninety eight chambers and we shared a tent? Oh my god! Oh yes, I'm I'm not. Oh my god, I'm now instantly worried about where <laughs> this is going. It's pretty self explanatory. It says, uh, no, I'll, I'll quote the, yeah. the statement again. 
said, uh, further stay in the tent became mortally dangerous and unbearable. Smell, suffocation and cough due to the potent toxic substance that was released in the atmosphere. Yeah. So basically just from, yeah. you know, the things that were coming out of your gut, I feel as though I have quite yeah. a, you know, yeah. I mean that's 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 fair. That's that's fair. That's fair. I mean I must say for for all the listeners out there to describe what happened at B98, we decided uh, Cy and I to share a two-man tent. Now a two-man tent is not meant for two men. It's barely big enough for one uh-huh. small man, and we were in there for however many days with full gear, full festival beer and i mean let's let's do, let's just get let's cut to the chase basically Lots yeah. of fart gas um but luckily it wasn't yeah. 40 outside it for was, us so we, we managed to get away with it but. yeah so i mean if that if we if we tack your uh, investigation your research your google ski research onto our theory then that makes our new theory for the jatlov pass incident orgy <laughs> Fart gas, wind, avalanche, case case closed. Valentine, Valentine, thoughts? I, I think we should rethink the retainer we were going to give to say, um, because <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure just adding farts to our original story is enough, really. But you know, it was entertaining, so I'll give him that. Well. It was a flashback to V98 yeah, as well. Yeah, V98, wow. I thought you could go somewhere with that. But, um, I mean, yeah. there was one other thing that came up. I don't know whether you'd be interested in listening to it. I mean, where did you get to with the Yeti theory last time? Oh, we thought maybe yeah. it was the Yeti on the booze cruise. We were we left that in the... I mean, we solved it, basically, Si. We're not going right, to lie okay. to you. We had well, the case closed. <laughs> Well, uh, we'll have a discussion <laughs> about your future role, and possibly, possibly wish you all the best in your future endeavours. But um, no, thank you very much for that. Um, so that leads us on to: Are you going to are you going to stay on the on the pod side on, for yeah. the last few minutes? Fantastic, Valentine. I believe you've got something else. Yeah. For us. So um, obviously, something a bit new this week. In the previous weeks, we've done two mysteries, with the second one perhaps being true, perhaps not being true. But this week we went for something a bit different and and really wrapped in a mystery, some current news, and lots of things in between. And so I thought with the US election being up in the air, we still don't know who's won at the time of recording. I thought I would give us a little look into the future of what the world could look like under three scenarios. So scenario number one is Trump wins. Scenario number two is Biden wins. Scenario number three is neither win and Valentine and Chambers take over the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that already. So I'll, I'll, I'll go in at the bottom and work my way to the top. So um, Good. the thing I'm most worried about if Trump wins, well, maybe not worry because, you know, I do like a game of golf, but what everyone can certainly count on is that if Trump wins, he's going to come over here and everywhere around the world and turn farms and football pitches into 18-hole golf courses, pitch and putts, and crazy golf. 
no space will be left free nowhere and the person that will put in charge of this is john daly do you know who john daly is yeah he yes i do used to be long distance driving champion of the world and now he walks around with stars and stripes trousers everywhere and smokes cigars and apparently that makes him very popular and he will be in charge of enforcing the pr proliferation of golf courses around the world Number two that you have to look out for is obesity, which far from being discouraged will actually be encouraged. And this will be brought about by um, feeding people chickens. Obviously, we know that they like to dip their chickens in bleach. If it's good enough for Trump, it's good enough for a chicken. But they'll also <laughs> then be dipped additionally in oil and um, gold. And then they'll be put in a deep fat fryer, you know, wiggle it around a bit job done away you go and then lastly um well yeah some some years down the line probably three years into his second term have you ever seen um the terminator Sai, have you seen the terminator yes. oh indeed yeah yeah great film not in person obviously i mean just the film <laughs> yes the film i have seen it yeah and and do you know the apocalypse scene uh, where where there's just the swings, and yeah, there's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Also, Basically, Terminator 2 with that, a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Basically, it's it's just going to be that. It's just, mm -hmm. imagine that. Um, and we don't really know if John Connor exists or not. Maybe John Connor is D.B. Cooper. Yeah. We've just talked about yeah. D.B. Cooper, so we're not going to rehash it, but when you listen to that, have you have you heard of D.B. Cooper? Ah, see, I thought this was super duper famous. Oh well, maybe maybe all of our more than zero listeners will have heard of the TV yeah. Cooper. I mean, to Let's be fair, James, you are talking to our roving reporter who hasn't even left his flat to do any roving. So the, yeah. the bar is low. Okay, the bar is moving low, yeah. on to okay. Biden. So if Biden wins, everything I've just said will also happen, but it will be delivered with a wonderful PR gloss. It's going to sound amazing to the point where even if you are absolutely certain that you hated golf and chicken dipped in bleach and oil and gold, you're going to love it by the end, by the time he's done selling it to you. Um, I feel like I've eaten worse. I feel like I've probably eaten worse than that. Probably. What was that kebab shop called in Newcastle that we used to go yeah. to? Munchies. Oh, munchies too. No, Munchies 2. <laughs> Munchies 2, get it right. Munchies 1 was shut down. <laughs> so they reopened it. Relaunch. Let's go with uh, let's go with Munchies 2, boys. Yep, it's easy. Just added two after the... Uh, all the I once saw a man's time. face explode on the front window of uh, Munchies 2. It was terrifying. Well, it would have been if I was sober enough to have, you know, I don't know really notice what was going on yeah, yeah. exactly there Process you go. It. Process. so Process. biden Process. anyway um interrupting my flow there yeah so pr gloss on everything that trump Sorry. would have done anyway um scenic sunday drives through scorch countryside you know nothing nothing would be better under a biden presidency than being able to drive through the countryside in your big american muscle car and watching just everything burn around you um 
one of the main positives will be yeah. um, major improvements in dementia awareness. Um, people are really going to get hot on that, you know. Uh, that that's that's going to be good. That's going to be a good thing. Um, and the other benefits are. Oh, I've completely forgotten what the other benefits are. Was that an intentional forget? Maybe, maybe. I'll let the listeners decide. Anyway, let's get on to the uh, more interesting um, part of this section. What would the world look like under Valentine and Chambers? And Chambers, I'm happy for you to come in um, when I'm done on this to add a few of your own. But my takes on this, and Sai, in fact, yeah. as well, um, you know, a Russian point of view. Well, an Englishman living in Russia um, who's able to order beer. Um, so, number one, world peace, obviously. I know it's what they all say at the um, yep. pageants and things, but why not? Uh, Five-day weekends, it's a given. And free hugs for everyone, but yep. especially angry people. You know, there's so many angry people in the world at the moment. I, I just want to yep. give them all a hug. Um, but I think it'd be good to make it policy. And, any, any additions to yep. that, Chambers? Right, I like it. Yeah, I mean, this is completely off the cuff. I have had no uh, forethoughts on this. No That's thought, the beauty uh, of the show. Forward preparation. But obviously, yeah, it is. It is. I, l- I love this being um, put on the spot. Dogs in the workplace. Obviously, that's the first one. Straight away, that is going to make everybody's days better. What, what about if you're a surgeon? I would say on top of that. What you're about a dog a in the workplace when you're a surgeon? It's going to be like passing you the scalpel. It doesn't have to be. I'm not. I'm. I'm not asking the dog to do the surgery. Okay. I just want okay. it to be in the building somewhere. Yeah. Um. No, go on. Do it. Too controversial. I. I. No. I. I feel like one of the things that should be illegal is bad manners. Hate bad manners, man. Absolutely hate it. I'm not sure how you'd police this, but in a in a dystopian future run by us, there probably wouldn't be police force if you got your own way, would there? <laughs> would you have a police force? I know I you wouldn't have prisons. Wouldn't would you have, have a police prisons. force? In the um, I think I would have community policing, but no like organised police force on a national level. I, I would, I would, cer- I would certainly want manners to be one of the most important things. Um, that are out there. I feel like, you know, being polite and pleasant and generally being a happier in a happier state of mind would make a big difference to all of our future goals. I would also encourage everybody in the world to listen to the Valentine and Chambers Investigate podcast. <laughs> excellent. I, mean, they would do excellent. Anyway. I love the way you've tied that in there. Yeah, I know. Seamless. They would do anyway. It's like it's like yeah, uh, yeah. So that yeah, I think that'd be one of the uh, the prerequisites to be part of our society in the future to sign up and like. Mm. Just just before we uh, bring Sai in on uh, his ideas for the future of the world, I just thought yep. I should mention quickly that I've had to ditch our sponsors. Um, we just they just weren't cutting the mustard, and we had some complaints from listeners last week, so we've just ditched them. We're, we're too good for sponsors anyway. You don't need money to make a podcast like this. Um, so yeah, we've just done away with them. 
We we want. No- we don't need. We we don't need it. We don't need all that make believe cash. <laughs> no, exactly that laminated cash. Yeah, microfilms cash. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, cite your ideas for the well, future. Just listening to you guys, I thought you know I was going to go in with education and basically just make education good. That's like one of the basic things that should be good in the world. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I agree. Get rid of um, get rid of get rid of exams. Get rid of Ofsted. Get rid of get rid of ex- inspections. Get out. So get out. Get in the sea. From a teacher's perspective, but yeah, surely we should know how to run schools by now, and uh, this seems to um, just—I don't know. That's the main. That should be a big thing that's improved. I think if you guys were in charge, uh, I like—I like the podcast idea and all, making sure that everybody listens to the podcast. Um, maybe you could yep. beam it into the classrooms. The- just, uh, yeah. I mean, the podcast could almost be like the uh, our version of the Bill and Ted making the song that changes the world. Maybe, maybe this is the podcast that will change. Can only hope. Can only hope. Well, so in in summary, this week what we've covered is we have completely solved the DB Cooper case. In what what was it, Valentine? Twenty four minutes. Yes, but twenty four minutes. Incredible, really. It is incredible. I mean, that's another one that's gone on the Wikipedia page. Um, we have had an update from our roving reporter from <laughs> the boundaries of his living room. Um, and I think that's something we need a bit of a conference call about later, Valentine. Yeah, I'd, I'm not going to lie. We, I, I was slightly disappointed by, uh, you know, especially because he came on with the, the mountain sounds and, and, and I had this vision of him in his lumberjack shirt in a you know, in a hut in the mountains. And I, I was very excited. And then when he just said he was sat at home scratching his nuts in Moscow, I was like, well. I can only <laughs> apologize, guys. Next it's all time. right, Si. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe next time. Maybe next time. Um, what else have we done? We've also managed to have a look at three views of the future. Um, two where the world burns and one where the world is a wonderful, shiny, happy place. So I think it's pretty clear. This year, podcasts. <laughs> next year, politicians. Vote James and Valentine. Um, you got my vote. Vote James and Valentine. Well, that's one. Hey, and we didn't think we'd have any listeners either. But how about that? That did turn out that way. Well, listen, thanks very much for being on, site. And until next week, I'm, I'm Chambers. And this has been Valentine and Chambers Investigate.